This is Miller's Edge on Tide of number 15 Creighton 85 to 66 the final in Omaha it was UConn's 19th straight road loss to a ranked opponent this is the Miller's Edge with Christian Miller two-time national champion and team captain for the Alabama Crimson Tide and former Carolina Panther and his father Corey Miller the pastor of pain a nine-year NFL veteran with the New York Giants and University of South Carolina Hall of Famer. This is the Miller's Edge. here on a Wednesday. Hope everyone is doing great on today. I know I am. Thank God for another chance to talk some sports with you here the next couple hours right here on the Tide 100.9, 12.30 a.m. WTBC. Beautiful day here in Columbia, South Carolina. The sun is shining bright, about 60 plus degrees outside. And um, I'm inside, but I got my doors open. Man, what a, this feels like spring. Just just, man, just get you in some type of mood. So thankful for this day that the Lord has made. What a great day. Uh, again, we got a lot of things to get uh, to on today. Because I want to begin to talk a lot about the spring and positions and players. So we're less than two weeks away before spring ball starts for the Tide. Uh, we had Kalen DeBoer on our station yesterday. We hear some sound from him, a couple of things he talked about on yesterday. And we'll get into some of that conversation as well. But, I mean, you think about two weeks away or less than, not much time. Uh, you know, the winter workouts, I was like, man, they just started. The winter workouts, right? It seems like yesterday. And here we are talking about spring practice. And we'll talk about that. Just kind of get you in the mood, uh, kind of give you what that looks like, what the mindset is like for these players, being that when you start a spring with a new coach and New staff, what is that going to be like? Because, you know, you're spending a lot of time with the strength and conditioning team right now. You're getting in shape. You're trying to build that mindset. You know, you're talking about, you know, kind of re-identifying, if you will. Maybe that's the wrong word. Culture with uh, Kalen and Boer. You know, what is that going to look like? I've been looking at some of the videos that they've been posting, uh, you know, getting ready to work out. You know, trying to get past this whole Nick Saban era. Uh, so it's a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, we always on the outside looking in. And, of course, it's easy for us to see from a bird's eye view what things should look like, what it should be like. But we want to try to talk about today what it is like. Um, 
and probably what it's going to look like. I heard uh, Kevin DeBoer say yesterday uh, that they're trying to keep the spring kind of the same thing. They didn't want to change anything. I think that's a really good thing to do. Um, so uh, we'll talk about that. Um, you know, I've been joking about the spring game. I'm so used to seeing uh, Nick Saban with the coat, the pink coat on A-Day and ESPN. Uh, walking with them, interviewing them. That, so that's going to be gone. You know, we may get into some of that. What is that going to be like and all that good stuff. But but it's uh, it's fun to really talk about now because the roster is definitely far from being complete. Uh, they got a lot of holes that still need to be filled. They have filled some. We told you about yesterday. Uh, some bodies, at least in the secondary. And more to come, I believe, uh, here pretty soon. Um, but the portal is going to be a big interest for Alabama going forward because some guys – may or may not work out. I mean, you know, guys that are here right now, maybe they don't fit the system. That's always an issue. So uh, I'm still thinking some guys probably will enter into the transfer portal after spring, uh, but I expect um, they'll get a lot of different guys also uh, in the spring. So let's get into talk about some football. Let's look at some positions. I do want to look a little bit at the quarterback position today with Jalen Milrow. Uh, based on what uh, Kalen DeBoer said. Uh, I want to kind of get into that and break that down for you uh, as well. Corey Miller, Christian Miller, Wyatt's on the other side of the glass. Hope you're doing well today. 205-342. That's the number. You know it. The drill that we do always. uh, Tie 100.9. Free download for you. And uh, leave your thoughts, comments, and questions there. Christian, are you there? I'm, I'm hearing something in my ear. I'm sorry, I got a little sidetracked. Yeah, I'm just letting you okay. do your Okay, I just want to make sure you, you, you I know you, I you always say you. I, I, I interrupt your intro, so I was letting you finish. Well, your... I didn't hear it. Normally I hear the thing, uh, the mic, you know, need some WD-40. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, no, no, I'm, so, I, was, I was letting you do your thing. Uh, no, but everything. Yeah, good, I finished. I, but I just want to make sure that you were there before I toss it to you and it'd be like, Silence. It's all, no, you, you got why? Why it's all star? Why is producer host? Why is Mister Do It All? Why? So, why is like the, the man of many jobs? You yeah, remember that, that, that show called the Haymon? The Haymon that uh, the Haymon did like he might all be, the that jobs. might be out of my era, man. Haymon. Haymon. No, why sir. is the Haymon? Yeah, he's shaking his head. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that one. Yeah, he lost us. Uh, you don't know Haymon? Haymon? So like I'm, I'm young over here on this side, so you know that's that may be a, that may be before me. Yeah, it's wow. definitely before my time. That sounds like one of those. See, he he wouldn't know because he don't have his hair. Haymon, like the so like there's African braid shops where they, they they do braids and stuff. So anytime you go in there, they have like these these kind of like African type like movies <laughs> and shows on. And I'm imagining yeah. that's what he's referring to. Now, I've seen some of those. They're so interesting, too. I love the accents. But, uh, yeah, no, personally, I, I have no clue what Haymon is. Uh, but any, anyway, with that being said, now, nah, weather's good again. Got a nice workout, my friends, before we came here. And, uh, yeah, no, nah, but I will say, I'll, I'll point out, um, as it sounds like you're scratching your beard, I saw that you had an, an I appear- just did a bitch. Yeah, I heard. You might need to put some oil on it. But, um I heard you on the uh, <laughs> flaky, dry skin. Yeah, we might I need, need to get like a just for man or like a, some type. Of no, 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 no! Don't say that, bro. Because real quick, before you get to your spill, I, you know, when you get older, you deal with gray. Right. You and White won't want none of these things. Right. The salt and pepper was great, but then it got to a place where like that, no, no, no. I loved it, but then salt becomes very aggressive. Right. Great. Mm. So and then salt. so you it's go like lose the pepper. So my dude Emmett Smith, you know, was doing the commercials 
just for men, and then you'd be like, yeah, I'm going to hit that up. And then they had this one thing, at the, speaking of barbershops, uh, called ginseng. And, and my barber was like, you know, hey, man, you know, this right here, because I, I got sensitive skin, you know, I should have, you know, the razor bumps and things when you shave. <laughs> and so he was like, you know, hey, man, put this ginseng, man, that thing going to be jet black. I'm going to put that line on it, you know, line when they put the edge. Man, it looks great. Hey, I had grew it out. My beard was thick. Man, he put it on there, bro. I looked at the mirror. You know, they had, they put the thing in front of you real slow. And you'd be like, wow, this beard is freaking amazing. And so, man, Missy go, go down to Augusta to see her father at the time who was in the hospital. Uh, and while I'm sitting in the hospital room, I started to feel like somebody had a flick your beck on my face. I Ooh. mean, it was like, my face is just like hot. Like somebody literally got a cigarette lighter <laughs> and holding it to my jawbone. <laughs> then it started to itch, right? Uh -oh. And man, I go to the bathroom and why, you may know this one. Okay, another movie uh, reference here. I started to look like the Nutty Professor. <laughs> and um, my neck, my face, my everything swole up, bro. I, you know, that night, I'm like, you know, it's going to go down. It didn't go down. Then I couldn't hardly breathe. I'm, I'm like begging to take me to the hospital. My, my wife was like, you'll be okay. Just take some Benadryl. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so I'm not putting nothing on my face. I'll deal with the dry skin. I'll deal with the just shave it off, keep it off, and look about 13, 14, 20 even years younger. Now go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Honestly, I don't know. You said ginseng. I know what Beijing or whatever it's called. That's that that, that powdered black spray they, they use. Um, and, and that's normally like they're painting it on there. I, I've never had mm -hmm. anything where it, it burns your face like that. So I don't know what he used. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I can't I can't do any dye. Any kind of dye, even from jeans. If, if I have to wash them first. I bought new jeans because the dye inside the jeans would break my inner thigh out because my skin is so sensitive. Ooh. So, yeah, that, that's that don't what sound fun. Nope. Uh, where was I going with this? Uh, I, you said you heard something. You said that's all I oh, heard. Oh, you were scratching your beard. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, what I was about to say was I did what I did hear. I did hear you scratch your beard, but last night I heard you <laughs> make an appearance. On the Bama Standard, shout out to those guys that had you on their podcast. And yeah, uh, Jeremy hit me up. Who? Jeremy. Jeremy. I mean, not Jeremy, but uh, what's Jesus his Christ, Justin, man. Justin, I'm sorry, I oh, got my. so many names in my mind. You're fine. Yeah, no, not. But what I was gonna say was, Back. you, you, you let, <laughs> Justin, you let I'm so on. sorry, dude. It's okay. It's okay. You, you, uh, you definitely were were yourself per usual. Very vocal and honest about your your That's why opinion. they brought me on. Yeah, I saw somebody tweet that they couldn't listen cuz <laughs> they couldn't take the negativity from me. Ah, no, but I no, said thank you. No, but to to his point though, Steve did ask you on the show to give you give him a positive. And you added like you just sat there frozen. I'll just kind of like, like and so that's where I to me, I'm not gonna lie. I, I get if you can have your opinion of being a little critical. That's fine. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bash you on that. I used to beat you up about it, but I, I give up. You're gonna be you. The word. But, but come on now. You couldn't think of one positive. I don't even remember exactly what it was. Whether it was the defense or just the staff. I, don't remember. I, I remember what, he did say what, what he, is yeah, a he, positive. Yeah, he said give him a positive. You sat there. I said the offense. Not the offense was a positive until they lost. Uh, you know, Grubbs and, and the offensive line, Huff. I said it was a positive. I had good hope that the offense was going to be right. 
Um, and then when we lost, you know, Grubb and Huff, that was a major thing for me. I, I don't take that lightly as, as many people but, do. Well, let me ask like, you this, though. Because mm-hmm. initially I was saying that the offensive line coach, I was, you know, naming uh, some highlights on his resume, some of those accolades, mm-hmm. most notably uh, Scott Huff was the, the coach of the offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award. And initially, you said that you weren't impressed by that. It's the Pac-12. They get that award wrong. But now that he's gone, it's like you're using that towards your argument. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. What do you mean? You didn't say what? You're misquoting. I'm not misquoting anything. I'm saying you're you're throwing that around like, hey, you lost the Joe No, no, because my point was the emphasis was on the offensive line. Bama offensive line, we all agree with this, was really bad last year. Whoa, 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 they needed- wait, 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 wait. Like, statistically giving up sacks, they were. Now, we're, we're, I'm not going to sit there and say they were awful, you know what I'm saying? Like, they just aren't good. No, no, I mean, they they, they, they handled business when they needed the to. They at the bottom of the power five. And, and giving and up the, sacks, yes. Their, their, right. their pass That's pro awful. was awful, statistically, 100%. But I'm saying, watching the tape, as you alluded to, I mean, there was some factors, right? I mean, they didn't get any help from Tommy Reese to put some chips or some lead the tight end in the core to mm-hmm. help the true freshman left tackle. Like, to me, when I you always talk about looking at the whole plate. That's looking at the whole plate. So before I just say, oh, they finished last and they're terrible, I also watched them, and I watched them dominate Georgia's defensive line. You know what I mean? Like, I just think they didn't play to their full potential last season. But I just was saying that. But the only other thing I wanted to, to, to not call you out on but no, no, no. It was yesterday. You were making a comment about the new offensive line coach, and how. Oh, and then you, you repeated on the, the podcast last night. You were like, "Man, he's been all these schools, all these places." And I'm like, honestly, I think you're just doing that to be funny. So, did you actually look at where he's been in like his his ten? I know where he's been. So how I could know you say Wikipedia. that? But, no, but how could you? Yeah. No, no. Like, let me read this stuff. In two thousand, how many schools have he been to? From two thousand one, he was at one, two, three, four. Five, six, six schools in twenty, I guess twenty-three years, dude. That's actually better than most coaches. And then what you failed to realize is Eric Wolford, who you were praising, which I like him as a coach. You know, I don't think he did the you best never job heard last me season. Praise no, him. no, no, no. But but yesterday, I mean, you were kind of talking more. You know, saying you were crediting him with more accolades or whatnot. What I'm saying is he's been at way more stops than this coach. But it wasn't a problem with him, but it's a problem with this coach. That's where I'm kind of like, all right, man, I you, I'm, I need some explaining there. Because honestly— He's only been at six schools? Only six since 2001. Now, unless no, 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 98, I'm not counting that. My point, so let me finish. 98, he was at Phoenix College. It's probably like D3 or something. 99 to 2000, he was a GA at Kansas. His co- his true coaching career. It counts. It counts. Just don't stop making it. Just give me the name of the schools. Dude, you just try to make everything fit in your narrative, man. Okay, so if you want to add the Kansas GA or the Phoenix College, that would be eight schools from 98 to 2024. That, like, that, to me, in this day and age, you realize coaches are like on the move like every year or two now. I know. And then, so this guy actually was at Southern Miss for from 2008 to 2011. He was at North Carolina from 12 to 2018. That's a long tenure. Like, 
That's what I'm saying. Like, I think you just were saying stuff. Michigan State, 2020 to 2023. And then he just was hired at Baylor. Then, obviously, we scooped it and poached him. So, mm. I'm just... Oh, you poached <laughs> well, why is it? Nah, well, that's, that's what you call it when you go take... I, I understand that. Yeah, so all I'm saying is, I think sometimes you kind of get in your role and you're going and you're, like, saying this. But I'm, I just had to fact check you because I'm like, you're saying these Dang, things. I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean... Hey, I feel, man. hey, Wyatt, I feel like I've been sitting here. You just like got audited on running in. I mean, daggum. He done went through my whole interview. No, he done, but he all up your, in my interview. Are you going to answer the political campaign me. now? No, he does not, he does <laughs> not need to run for any type of damn office. This dude is not need to. He, he, he's going to try to keep it real and get us in the whole Oh, you know, my Lord. I, mean, I come over here with a nice hump day, saying the Lord bless the people, and here no, you that, go, get me great. off on the tent. No, you know, no, listen, no, man. Listen, I just want He's been right here. He's been right here. No, I I have to fact check because I think again. Hey, there's no it, fact. There's still a lot of places. Whether, whether you agree with it or disagree, okay, hold it's on, still hold on, hold a on, lot hold of places. Hold on, hold on. That's a lot and of other coaches have been to a lot of places, which I would have said the exact same thing. It doesn't matter. My point is this. But that's you missing. He was at one you're missing like the point no, you, that Mr. Wrong. Huff that left the program to every everybody, all the national media, local, everybody, fans. Was lauding about, right? Yeah, no. I, they won a Joe Moore Award, right? Who he's is? not there. My point is, he's supposed to be the dude to help turn the offensive line around of Alabama, and he's gone. This is the biggest point. He didn't even so much about him. The point is, what you lost. That's, it's not so much not. about what you have. It's about what you lost. And to me, that was a positive, <laughs> by the way, right? With, along with Ryan Grubb. Now those dudes are not there. I think to me, that's a setback. Now, not I'm saying not, that these. Wait, hold on. these I'm not, I'm not these, disagreeing. I, I would definitely say I would, if you had a choice. Not who, saying that these new dudes, these new dudes cannot do the job. Correct. But I'm saying, as far as I'm concerned, and what I look at right now, that's a setback until they prove me wrong. I'm gonna tend to believe the other side rather than the new side until I see it for myself. That's just all I'm saying. And it's not that I don't hope they don't. It's just nobody, I, I no, need to say it for myself. That. I'm fact-checking you on the things that you say that kind of— that, There ain't just, no fact-checking. There's no fact in anything. Yes, That's your is. opinion. No, my That's opi an opinion. So, oh, you're right. So it's subjective or it's my opinion. And we're going to break. You're going to talk to break every time Wyatt put the music on for no, three minutes. No, because what happens is because when I start spitting facts and actually giving you information, you, oh, okay, let's go to break. Let's go, let's go ahead and wrap it up. we got to get a break. Dang, get out of here. I ain't getting— Hell no! I bring I bring facts and numbers. Now, I ain't gonna let you just go off like that. Numbers like, tell part of the story, not the entire oh story. Oh my! Unless it unless it backs up your argument, then they tell the whole. We story. gotta hit a break. Let's do it. We are gonna get back to this. I want to talk some spring football about Coach Cap, your new offensive line coach. How's that gonna help Jayla Miller? I want to get to some of that. We're here with Kalen DeBoer said right here on the tie from yesterday about. The quarterback play, I thought it was very interesting, and I thought it was right. Here's some positive. Sit down. Don't wreck your car. I'm going to spit some positive for you on the flip side of this break. This is the Middle's Edge on the Tide 100. It's in supplement. Your best bet for big wins is just minutes away at Birmingham Racecourse Casino, where you can be a winner, too. Off I-459, exit 31, Derby Parkway. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A spring-like afternoon, the sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 69. Tonight, mostly fair with a low at 48. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy and mild. The chance of a shower by afternoon, rain more likely tomorrow night, the high at 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Twenty-three here on a Wednesday, 205-342-9904. It's the number for the program. Don't forget to download that free app, Tide 100.9. And if you got thought, comments, and questions, we can put them right there. My man Wyatt will definitely read them for you. Corey Miller, Christian Miller, Wyatt here with you here on a hump day. Of course, we're talking Alabama football. I just went through a fact check. If you want to call it a fact check by Christian, by hijacking my interview on the Bama Standard, thanks to Justin and uh, Marvin. By the way, since you want fact, but, but did you not hear all the things Marvin said? Everything I said. He, pretty much. Y'all, y'all, y'all agreed on some stuff, and I'll be honest no, with no, you. No, no, most stuff. Not what some. It was most, most, most stuff. stuff. And, and, and I'm not, I didn't say that. It was an all SEC linebacker, former player at Alabama. Yeah, shout out to Marvin. Was saying the Thompson. same I, I like Marvin. thing that I said. But I'm going so, to be honest with you. Y'all are wrong about a couple of things. Just being transparent. But it might be. In terms I mean, of the defense, be. only because what I'm saying is I think one thing that I was, when I was what listening to What are we wrong it, on? I'm going to explain. One thing when I was listening to it was that I, I think that y'all sometimes, I don't think y'all understand that offenses have changed so much since when you played, when Marvin played, right? He was uh, several years after you, right? I mean, he was probably, when Marvin played, I think, like, real early 2000, maybe. Um Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, the offenses have changed, man. I mean, I was just was telling you yesterday, like, we used to play back when I got here in 2014, which was crazy enough. I just saw a guy at the gym who I took a picture with when I was a true freshman here, and he was, like, 10 years old, and now he's, like, graduated from college. But um, what was I saying? Anyway, but, no, the, the offense, like, when I was here, we still played, you know, several teams that, you know, ran pro formations. They were in silver, you know, 12 personnel, whatnot, right? But then imagine when Marvin played, when you played, that's that's practically all you saw. I mean, you didn't really see much spread like that. It wasn't nearly as common, not even close. Uh, even if it, it, what does that got to do with the price of tea in China? What it has to do with is that what I'm saying is there, y'all had so much emphasis on the 425 and why y'all are so worried about why it's not going to work that, again, y'all are missing the point that everybody, in theory, runs a 425 now pretty much. Now they do. Right, because they're nickel. Correct. So what I was saying, it all goes back to like y'all were showing so much concern. And what I'm saying is, we've been running a four two five, right? You know what I'm saying? Georgia's been too. running a four two five. Everybody, Michigan, right? When we played them, yeah, they they they're definitely more of a multiple defense. But right, majority but of the time they're playing nickel. Even when we were in twelve personnel, there's a lot of nickel. Now I do agree with your point that personnel wise, if you have more of that three four personnel. And you're running more of a 4-2-5, then your ends will look more athletic and, and lighter. But this defense, from what I've seen, they it, it really is personnel-wise similar to what we did. You got a guy that plays like a jack position. He's kind of like an outside linebacker, defensive end. The other one's just kind of like a bigger uh, defensive end, which we still got personnel for that. 
And then everything else, I mean, the only difference would be maybe in the secondary, some of those hybrid positions. Um, but, but with that being said, I, I, I think, some, again, it's, it's not so much about the personnel. Like everybody plays nickel. We've been playing nickel. You can stop the run out of nickel. And y'all did say that. You just were saying you obviously got to have some dogs up front. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I, I agree with that. I just was saying, like, some of it I was like, bro, it's, it's really not like – I think y'all kind of make it seem like it's like, oh, man, like – it's like it's like impossible to do something or like oh they have to I'm just telling you it's really not that deep no, I we, promise you it's no, not no 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 see here's here's about mine and I'm gonna get to the office here just a minute my my concern with the four two five for those that didn't hear the banner standard last night when I was on it the fact that anytime here's what I've said when I played in the four three I played in all of them right. Because, you know, nickel was nickel and dime is dime. We call those sub-SUB packages. Correct. Right? So we didn't even identify to them unless it was three, four wide receivers or five. Right? So your base defense is base, what we call base, right? That's going to be if you're either in a 4-3 front, which is a four-man front, three linebackers, or you're in a three-man front, four linebackers. Those are your base defenses, right? And in order, and then here's the difference. The 3-4, when you run a 3-4 defense, which I ran probably half my career with me being on the opposite side of Lawrence Taylor, right? The greatest to ever play the daggum game. We, we, were, we were notorious for 3-4. That was what we did because we had so many athletic, big, physical linebackers. More so than we had defensive linemen. Right, but even in that defense, you got to have a zero, which is a head up on the nose. You got to have a nose tackle that can't be stopped. Is what we were saying last night. Yeah, you got to have an ins- odd front. You have to have. A- we got to have dudes up front that can make the difference. Right. What three four does for you is it gives you the flexibility to do so many different things. Right, pressures are coming from all over. It confuses an offensive line but people- because you don't know know where the pressure is coming from. But- right now. Just, just, just in short, when you got a 4-3, that means I got better defensive linemen, less out, uh, backers, I should say. But still, I better have some dudes up front. The best 4-3 defense is when you got the best four guys up front that you don't have to bring pressure. You don't have to run slants. You don't have to run twists and games, right? You just have four dudes up there that say, I'm going to kick your A all day long, the guy in front of me. And that's going to allow my backers and my secondary that play seven in coverage to do things that I maybe not normally can do. But that's where y'all, okay, let me stop right there. But that's where y'all are y'all are tripping up at, right? That's no, it. we're not tripping up anywhere. Let me explain. That's it. Yeah, if you're in a traditional four-man front, yes, you do need bigger ends and some dogs up front. However, again. You need more bigger tackles than the ends. You need both in a, in a true four-down front. You need both because they're playing true five techniques. Yes, you do. You need bigger ends as well, guys that are strong enough to play it. What I'm saying is, though, the, the way it is, just because it says four two five, that does not mean they're they're running that that true standard four down front. That's what I've been trying to explain. It, it really kind of comes off like a three, like a almost like a three three five. That's what I've been trying to explain to you. And so with that, you do have the versatility that you're explaining similar to a 3-4. The only difference is instead of a 3-4, it's like a 3-3, right? And then because you got the hybrid, 
And what and you mentioned you have the versatility of, of you know not knowing where things are coming from. You can do that same thing with that personnel. If anything, that's why they a lot of people when they saw the Big Twelve running a lot of you know three three fives and people were like, what the hell is that defense? Even me, I was like, I don't like that. You're too light up front. But that's actually one of the positives of that style of defense, which I've seen on tape. They can shift into some some kind of fronts that look similar. What it does is it provides versatility that lets you kind of come from all different angles. The only difference is you're not sending outside linebackers. You're sending strong safeties and linebacker hybrids. That being said, with the, with today's game, that's a lot, a lot more pass happy and pass heavy. They're throwing the football a lot more. You almost want to be in that versus a three four because then you're not you're not getting caught up in a situation where you got a guy like me asked to cover uh, a slot receiver or you know what I mean like people looked at that Tennessee game and they saw that uh, receiver I think he was on a wheel route Chris Braswell had to run with him he was playing the jack position right I remember that play everybody was like oh what is he doing why do you Pete or not Pete whoever the coordinator was why do they have him folks you don't just draw stuff up for one guy so if the, the integrity of the defense is that jack defender is the flat defender which means if the running back or whoever the number two receiver goes to the flat and he cuts up on a wheel route you have to buy him you, gotta run you have him. to run with him if if you don't he's wide open for a touchdown that being said in this personnel instead of that jack you still could have that jack which they call the wolf or the whatever yeah i think it's the wolf it could be a strong safety or a hybrid instead that's all. I'm, that's why I'm saying. Is it my favorite system? Not necessarily just yet. I liked how we ran our nickel. With again, I told you, you just have to have guys like Brian Branch, Malachi Moore, guys that are physical and able to come and, and provide that run support. And at this point, they don't have that guy. But they're, that's what they're going to start recruiting because you need that. I can't remember right. what, if is it the Husky position or Rover, whatever it is. Like I got to learn the. They term. call it the Husky, I think. I think, yeah. <laughs> you just have like a guy like Landon Collins would thrive in this system, and he's a hell of a football player. Mark Barron would thrive. Those kind of guys. Now they're harder to find because again, they're hybrids, right? They're hybrid, just like a dog with some hybrid dog. It's a basically undersized line. The kid, I'm telling you, the kid that well, I'm thinking about from um, Birmingham, that Mitchell, linebacker, Tony, that, Tony that six foot guy that they just signed, that's about two oh five, kind of fits that bill. Now he does. Depends but, on, a, but it depends on how he how elusive he is or how flexible he is. What's his growth is going to be like? I mean, sometimes you can train a guy like that to be uh, that hybrid of what you're talking about. But let me just say this. The 4-2-5, as I said yesterday, is a nickel defense, right? Which we ran and what's that time last year. What, but what happens is the weakness of this defense is in the run game. And when, when now, even though teams are going 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers, they are now running the ball a lot more, or more, I should say, than they're passing the football because, because teams are trying. I, I get what right. you're saying, but let me. I mean, let, let me just but, finish. But, but, I mean, but, because but, you're putting a person. Let me finish because of the personnel matchup. And here's the thing: the reality is, they don't. That personnel is not equipped to be run stoppers, right? Because it's not base runs. What they're doing, if you go back and look at Ole Miss, if you go back runs. and look at Texas, you go look at some of these teams that have done great things out of 11 personnel in the run game, they're moving their linemen, they're running a, what I said last time, the standard, a ton of traps, right? A ton of traps, all kinds of traps. These hybrid guys are not accustomed to doing this. Right, this is big boy football, but you can also implement that out of 11 personnel. 
which is therein lies the problem. You know, the whole thing of, okay, he's off the ball, right? They kind of in the over front, he's off the ball. Well, when you see those two, the guard tackle block down, what is the rule of thumb? You close, close and spill, right? Now, I got a 200-pound guy that I got to ask, and he's got to be that guy that closes and spill to take on a 330 and a 330, which means close and spill means I got to get underneath the, those blockers, and it's not good enough to get one guy. You got to take get two guys. The rule of thumb is you get up under him, you work up the field, you knock the second puller off so that the inside linebackers can scrape and make the play. The problem is you put the hybrid position guy in compromised positions where he's not accustomed to playing. That's what we were saying. Along with that and the fact that Bama at this point in time, Kanan Tim King's a good player, Tim Smith's a good player, uh, Jaheim Otis is a good player, but they're not the dudes that you had. They're not Sean Robinsons. They're not these big three techniques that can hold point and hold serve. They're not these guys that can fill up these holes so these linebackers can scrape and float to the football. This is the problem when you run this defense. If you don't have the right dudes, I promise you, as I'm sitting here today, you're going to get gashed like nobody business. So we can sit here and be fancy and talk about all of this, but football becomes football at the end of the day. And a lot of people don't understand these things. You got to play big boy and put your big boy draws on and go blow stuff up, right? And that's the reason I got a bad neck and a bad shoulder today because when I played them OS, them OTs, which are counterplays, listen, brother, that, it's not for the faint of heart. Why? Why wouldn't it? But why wouldn't the defensive ends be still responsible for closing that? that because you, when you're playing you're over it. and the guy's off the ball, he still has to walk up and serve as similar. Just, even though we call him different, he's still an outside linebacker. It is doing something totally different. We gotta hit a break. We'll come back. We'll get in more to this. And of course, I still want to talk about Jalen Miro and what came on the board. I'll let you hear what he had to say uh, to Ryan Fowler on yesterday about the quarterback position, which I thought was interesting as well. We'll keep this conversation. Love to hear from you. 205-342-9904. It's the- is available with approved credit. PTG Outdoors open Monday through Friday, 8 till 5 in the old Ellen L. Marine location in Northport. Call 333-1605. This is Miller's. Edge on Tide 100.9. 1238, Corey Miller, Christian Miller, Wyatt here with you on a Wednesday talking some meathead football. I love it. You remember how you, you remember how you used to be like there? Coach Saban didn't want me to go in there and close and spill. You hated that. You're right. I did hate it. <laughs> who, who, who would enjoy having <laughs> yeah, to go get... You're always depressed. You're always depressed that you like... pound guys running. I mean, like... <laughs> you're damn right. I, I did not like doing it. Like, bro, I was uh, a, speed pa- a speed rusher. You know, I mean, an athletic, you know, end, so to speak, right? Uh, you're right. I did not enjoy having to go blow up... Uh, you know, a pulling guard like cornbread every day in practice. It wasn't fun. You know, I'd much rather rush the passer where I was my strong suit. Didn't mean I could I couldn't do it. Hell no. Nah. I used to, I had to learn to get down and dirty. I didn't like it at first, but shoot, I I made it happen. Shoot, especially by my senior year, you can go back and watch. I mean, I, against Missouri, they it was ran good a run stopper, but that's what I'm yeah, saying. Was. But let me let imagine. Me. Imagine that that two hundred pound guy, but, but see, that Malachi Moore having to do that. He has, 
They ask him to do that. Which ain't very successful. Let me just talk while you eat. I can't I can't do the chewing. I'm not I, eating. I well, I can't I'm do the chewing. Eating. It's just distracting. Let me talk while you do that. So you keep you keep saying about like, oh, the defensive. So what you're implying, because technically, again, you still have four linemen, technically, right? Or outside linebacker, three line, whatever you want to call it. Most of the time, they're going to be the ones having to close on those counter plays. And you keep mentioning trap. You, you know, trap is when they're trapping like a three technique. That's when like the. No, they're like not trapping pull. a three technique. No, no, you're wrong. No, I'm not. T- Do you not no, know what a trap okay. play is? I think you're mixing. Okay. No. Uh, okay, bro. Don't 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 insult my intelligence. I'm I not played that decade your... in the league. I, I, of course, I know the daggum trap play. I'm talking about they I... what they call an OF, which is the off tackle and the fullback, which they come inside. Then there's an OT, which is the off guard and the off tackle that attacks the C gap, which is the five technique gap and wider. You can you can trap any area on whatever that is. That's the count. That's counter. It's a trap. Counters are traps. Okay, it's the well, same thing. I, I, I'm more than happy to go take this to the complex and let, and let them explain it to you. I don't need to explain it. I got paid me the dollars because I did it. So don't, don't tell I You don't need to explain it to me. I mean, so. You don't need to take me over it. No, I'm glad. You're I mean, enjoying, take me this, to, is, this is really what goes down in football. Like, you know, a lot of people, when they're just watching, they're watching Tua or Jalen Hurts throw touchdowns. But, like, realistically, this is what's the anatomy of each place every play. Trap, though, at least, yeah, look, nobody's insulting your damn intelligence. Like, you played a long time. Good for you. I'm, I know you know a lot, but I'm trying to explain to you. Our terminology, at least in my tenure, trap was like trapping our three technique. It's like where the guard, you know, basically, or, even, version, or yeah. even, or even if somebody was in in, in silver, they had uh, like twenty one or whatever. They're using a fullback. He could come trap the the crap out of that three technique. Because I remember specifically, we played one game. I forgot who it was, and they kept trying to. They did draw on paint, and it sucks because the three technique's not seeing it. It's basically like somebody coming blindside and they're ear holding the three technique. And it's clearing the hole in the interior. So when I hear trap, that's what I'm thinking. What you're describing is well, they, counter, a lot of times what I'm hearing. They call that a wham block. Wham. Too. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So there, exactly. I'm pretty sure that we're agreeing on that. But you're describing more of like counter where that tackle say all right. So say you're what you're getting at is if they had a, a DB that was in there and he's lined up in a nine technique on that tight end. That tight end tackle block down. They pull. The guard and center, or guard and t- uh, tight end from the other side, whatever. And Call then, that counter trade. Yep. Exactly. And so then they have to go sp- close on that, which we normally would close or depend on the coverage. We'd either box it, where we basically have our outside arm free, outside leverage, and then, you know, get it, uh, keep it inside. Or depending on, you know, how we were playing thing and then who had the outside leverage working with the, the linebackers in the secondary. What I'm getting at is, We've already done that. If you go watch, we've been playing blue versus silver. When what I mean by blue, uh, for people listening, blue is nickel. Four two five nickel personnel, same same crap. Silver is is regular personnel, a la you know tight end sets, you know pro pro and in, in, uh, pro formations and whatnot. Twelve personnel. We typically used to play uh, the three four base defense versus those sets, but now the way the game has changed, like a team like Georgia. They get in regular personnel. They'll have two tight ends, but they're not just looking just to run the ball. Like, they don't just go dot. They do, but they also have a a, a guy like Brock Bowers who's a threat in the passing game. So what my argument to you guys is you're saying, well, you're, you're weak against the run. We know that. I mean, it's logic. If you have five DBs on the field and they got, you know, heavier guys up front, you 
kind of are on the short. You get the short end of the stick. However, let me ask you this question because I've talked to coaches, and this is exactly what they told me because I asked them the same thing. Sometimes I'd be like, why are we so light right now? Why, why would we go with this personnel? And you know what they said? Would you rather get hit for four yards on the run or 40 yards on a pass play? I said, well, damn. I didn't really think of it like that. And he was like, yeah, because that's what you're dealing with. This RPO crap that everybody does, it's lethal. You know how hard it is to defend? And, and again, like, I love Marvin, but this is one thing I, I would say, like, they didn't have RPOs like that when Marvin was playing, to my understanding. I could be wrong. I'd love to ask him, but I'm pretty sure they weren't really running RPOs like that because they were newer when I got here, right? The RPOs, bro, a linebacker is literally being asked to, to read the guards, right, reading the fullback, whoever, and then literally having to play the run because they're giving you a run look. They're, they're giving you a run blocking scheme up front. And then they're pulling the ball out and hitting the slant window right behind you. Right? College football is different. You have to adapt and adjust. And literally, that's the mindset of these coaches. We would rather give up more against the run. I get we used to only give up two yards a carry. That was when football was a little bit different, at least offensively. Now you almost have to trade. All right, we're going to give up a little, a few more yardage uh, plays on, with runs. But we're going to, you know, protect the pass. That's the philosophy that a lot of defenses have now had to adapt to because that's how college football is nowadays. So I understand what you're saying. The 4-2-5 and all that stuff, you are lighter against the run. You're more susceptible against the run. Cool. I understand all that. That's, that's physics. That's logic. However, my two arguments are, one, we've been doing that, and everybody's been doing that. Georgia include all these teams, Michigan. You just have multiple defense. And I think that's kind of what you'll see out of this defense. The only difference is his base isn't really a 3-4, which we never ran anyways. It's more of a 4-2-5. The, the biggest difference, and I keep saying this, I can't stress this enough. The biggest difference that you'll notice is the, the, them implementing their coverage uh, philosophies. And that's more of that true zone. Versus man match principles with zone, which what I like, I do like the, that part of it. Which I don't, because I think you you you, you it's e <laughs> look, no, because I'm just saying, because I think you're susceptible to, to look. If you're playing a good quarterback, like I'm, t I'm telling you right now, like, uh, and I'm going off more off the NFL. Those quarterbacks in the NFL that can make all these throws, when these teams play that true zone crap and you've got uh, a really good quarterback who can throw it on a line and can fit balls in those windows, these receivers in, uh, that are smart enough, like you mentioned last year, it seemed like sometimes our receivers didn't know how to break routes off or to find open areas to do those type mm -hmm. of things, right? If you're playing a team like that and they're going against a true zone defense, they can pick apart those windows all the time. You see what I'm saying? Versus if you're in man match, like you're, 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 you're matching route patterns and stuff. You're closing that space. Now, I understand they also emphasize in this defense, they're reading quarterback's eyes. They're not just, they are zone dropping. However, they're not just getting there, then buzzing their feet like it's a damn high school camp drill. They're, they're kind of reading, reacting. They're kind of, they're, they're meshing well, and they, flowing. They call that the spot dropping. You know, they call it a lot of spot drop, like you dropping to the spot. Right, but I'm saying, and, and, and this then is like you a take whoever invades that area. Right, mm -hmm. it's a little bit of an upgraded spot drop, but still, though, I still like. It. Anyway, we can disagree to disagree. That's all I was just pointing out to you. I just wanted to throw that out there because that's one thing I don't think some of the older heads that talk about this understand is that in no, this we day do and understand, age, but that's that, just that, principles. You, you got to pick or choose. You either going to give up three, four yards in the run, or you're going to give up thirty, forty on pass play. That's such a wrong concept. That's a wrong concept? That. Okay, look, yeah. dude, Okay, the, literally coaches at the best SEC school said that. But let me let me ask you this, though. You, you're telling me you would rather go in a 3-4 personnel defense 
defending against all these teams that are throwing the football, running RPOs, knowing you're going to have outside linebackers responsible for covering guys that are running 4-5, 4-4 slot receivers, running backs who are way more athletic than them, you're telling me you would feel more comfortable putting them in that situation just so you can be big and tough up front and get burnt in the pass versus playing more of a, a, a smaller personnel, like a, like a nickel defense, might be a little more susceptible sometimes against the run, which reminds you, a lot of run plays nowadays also, are, they're working the perimeters as well. They're running around a lot of screens. So you're telling me you still would rather stick with a 3-4 defense? And listen, that's coming from somebody that. who, I, I love the 3-4, but what I'm saying is you can't just sit there and say, oh, I never said I want to run three before. So what would your be? What I'm saying is, my point is, what would your ideal defense be? Oh man, I'm a three four guy because that's what I loved. I mean, because I'm a three four outside back and that's what I was. But my point is this: my point is this: to run this defense all the time, your problem is you don't have the dudes. That's what's missing in this conversation. What we were saying, Marvin and I was saying, you don't have them same dudes that you recruited years ago. Name them. What, what's the two guys? Payne. Uh, what's the other dude Jonathan at, at Washington? Allen, uh, Jonathan yeah. Allen. Uh, a. Sean Robinson. What's the other big head dude that looked like he was a cartoon character with a big old head? Um, There's so many of them. I don't know. Yeah, you, but I'm saying, your D-line was first, second round every year. Where has that guy been? That's but my point. That, you you don't me, have that's these the, that's guys. That's the biggest issue right now, more so, is, is that's that. That's what we said. But, but that's the, the biggest issue with stopping the run more than anything because they eat up blocks, right? So my point is you don't have that 340-pound guy like Georgia has had, right, over the years past with their defense. They they have them. They have gotten those dudes, like which Davis. is why they've been much better on, yes, why they were much better on defense. They had the first rounders and not Alabama. But that's not that's my that's point. Not, that has nothing to do with three four versus four two five. That's, no, my point is if you don't have them like dudes, you can go four two five out the window when it comes to stopping the run. Quick break, we'll come back, wrap up the first hour. I do want to talk offense. I do want to talk Jalen Milrow. I do want to play Kalen DeBoer, who was on the tide last night, and I want to agree with something he said, and I think you'll be happy with me. We'll be back. Jesus. Help a brother out.com. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. Join us for a Thursday edition of the Martin Houston Show, powered by Match Sports. We'll have some roster management and recruiting news. We'll have a breakdown of Ryan Fowler of the game's interview with Coach DeBoer. We'll also have some audio from 1984, the legendary coach Eddie Robinson of Grambling State predicted the current state of college football and the demise of the NCAA. You want to hear that audio on tomorrow on Tide 100.9 with Hunter Johnson. It's the Tide Basketball Post Game Show brought to you by Pritchett Moore Insurance, Tuscaloosa's best choice for business and personal insurance for 90 years. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A spring-like afternoon, the sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 69. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 48. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy and mild. The chance of a shower by afternoon, rain more likely tomorrow night, the high at 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. 
my favorite songs. Love this song. Chris, you probably don't even know this song, dude. Really? Come on, man. Of course I know that song. I don't question my intelligence. This <laughs> dude. 1.55. Listen, we're going to uh, hit the top of our break in just a moment, wrap up this whole defensive thing. Here's one of the things I did say, and I'm going to ask you the same question since you hijacked my interview and fact-checked me. Here's a fact about Alabama's defense as it stands today. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. All right. What's the best position group coming back right now? Right now, who I would say uh, where they stand just on paper at least? Yeah. I mean, you got the most experience at defensive. Uh, D-line, D honestly, you got the most experience. Linebacker, I would honestly, I really would go Jihad Campbell and Deontay Lawson at linebacker, but the problem is there's not a whole bunch of depth behind them. But right. if you're going I, off the starters, I would say linebackers. They're going off overall with depth included. I would say defensive line. I, I said last night I went with Campbell and I went with Lawson. Yeah, uh, but no depth. Okay, and the defensive line. Much respect to them, but they're not great players. Let's just be honest with you. They're good players. They're not great players. They're not. And I'm comparing them to what you were used to. I'm talking about the guys that we mentioned, Allen and those dudes. When you, when you talk about that caliber player, I would say they, they're yeah, not close. I, I would probably put them in the tier of uh, like Phil Mathis, you know Byron Young, that kind of group. I think they're mm. they're approaching that status. Yeah, well, I mean, they're those, those guys are like second and third round picks, so they're serviceable guys, but not great guys. Players. Okay, um, my point was this, and I'm gonna wrap this up. We're gonna get the mirror and DeBoer next hour. My point with the defense: this defense is so thin. Right? You can't tell me you're excited about it unless you're just not paying attention. No, no. Because let me finish. Not, not, I'm not asking you to argue. I'm just saying my point was the secondary, you got Malachi Moore. You got some transfers that may may or may not be good. We don't know yet. Right? You got a defensive line, no, no book ends at all. You got five stars but hadn't played much yet. We don't know. You have no depth at inside linebacker. The defensive line depth, we, we, we don't know yet. And they're not showstoppers there. So when you look at all of this, one of the reasons why I get concerned about this defense going forward. I hope somebody comes out of the cocoon and be a showstopper. But at, at to date, as we are talking and studying today, we don't know. And, and on paper, it don't look good. So that's what I'm saying. I don't. That's why you have to have some reason for concern. Well, we got to hit the top. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, let's clarify. When you say don't look good. Maybe if you're comparing it to elite teams at Alabama, but like, come on, man. Like, I mean, that's you, what I got to compare it to. Okay, that's the only so thing I got I'm to just clarifying to. that for you because I, I mean, like, I, my thing is this: you always, you always, oh, we don't know now. When have we really? I mean, look, yeah. Normally, uh, we've been better. We've been better shape than what we have this season. But let me ask you this, though. You tell me every year you always know yeah. who's going to have breakout years. We had much better. We had much better. We had much better players that position and better depth, I would say. You would say that now. But what happens if there's a guy in the fall who you might not necessarily know who has a breakout year who performs on that level? That's what I'm saying. Like I said, saying, we hope somebody comes out of cocoon. I don't know. But, but so to me, it's not know. even a hope. It's just a matter of when. You see what I'm saying? Like, like I know you say thin. We that's all, hyper. That's such a hypothetical. That's not like, a hypo, That's not a hypothetical. What I'm telling you is that like there is a loaded roster of guys. They're just young. They haven't got an opportunity yet. So 
So what I'm saying is, uh, bro, every every single year there's guys that step up that you might mm-hmm. not necessarily. Time's going to tell. Time's going to tell. Again, like, did, 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 did every, was everybody saying Terry on Arnold was going to outplay Kool-Aid and be a first-round pick this time? I did after the first couple practices. No, no, no. That so. was fall camp after you saw him. I'm saying right now yeah. and before we even started spring ball where people sitting there saying, oh, Terry on Arnold is going to have a breakout year. I know some people were saying, like, he's, he's a dark horse. But there are some people, I, I feel like there are some people that weren't even 100% positive he was going to start on the opposite side. I mean, everybody yeah. kind of anticipated him doing that, but I'm still, they, they were saying Earl Little could step up. They, like, people were throwing other names. So what I'm saying is all that, well, we don't know. Dude, there's going to be people that step up. They just need the opportunity. I hope you're right. I, I know right. I'm right. It, they, Top of the <laughs> hour break, we come back. We'll hear from Caleb and the boy what he had to say about the quarterbacks of Alabama. That's coming up right here on the Mills Edge of the Tide. 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Nick Cope. News in baseball, Yankees infielder Glaber Torres said his goal is to be a Yankee for life as he enters the final year of his contract. Veteran first baseman Eric Hosmer announced his retirement after 13 seasons. Hosmer is part of the Royals 2015 World Series team and won four gold gloves. Arizona State football coach Kenny Dillingham said he will not complain about the challenges of being a college football coach, saying, quote, I literally spent nine years of my life life doing anything to become a coffee boy so don't give me the oh it's hard to be a coach right now yeah it's hard then quit end quote and the nfl the miami herald reports dolphins veteran left tackle taron arm high quality ingredients we want to say that sounds great we've been doing that since 1974 under the biggest cactus in town taco casa this is miller's edge on tide 100.9 we are kicking off hour number two here on a hump day edition of the middle's edge 205-342-9904 number for the program don't forget to download the free app tie 100.9 and uh, if you want to leave a question start a comment feel free to do that Wyatt, my man, will take care of you. Yesterday, Kalen DeBoer, the head coach of Alabama, was on the Tide 100.9. And, you know, he had some, some things to say. Uh, I listened to the article of McElroy, and I listened, I listened to him on yesterday as well. Um, you know, his system is one which people seem to want to talk about. System. Everybody talks about the system. You know, it's his system. You know, when Grubb left, they said, it's his system. You know, what is that system? Something that he basically has, you know, gave the authority for someone else to run. So in terms, it becomes their system because they, it seems like, in my opinion, he gives them the freedom to do and change what they want to do. So what we've seen from Washington was Grubb's system, even though maybe invented by the head coach, Kalen DeBoer. But one of the biggest questions has been the quarterback position. Jalen Milrow 
We, you know, I don't want to rehash last year, uh, but we know a lot of folks did not want him to be the quarterback. A lot of folks thought that because he's a running quarterback, he could never win championships. He could never do great things for Alabama, which he proved them uh, sincerely wrong. Um, now, Tommy Reese is gone. Now you got a new coach in Kalen DeBoer. I don't even want to include the offensive coordinator because I don't even know what this is going to look like. And for the record, as you know, I'm not a fan of that hire. I'm not a fan of uh, Nick Sheridan coming up. I think it was, in my opinion, uh, the, the wrong choice. I've just been honest. I'm so, not a coach, but so, it's my, just my opinion. No, but I'm, I'm going to say so. But if you hire from the outside, that means you're going to have to get a whole new coach to learn this system while you're going through spring, going through right. all that versus I get, I understand it. I, I understand why he did what he did. Right. I just don't agree with what he did. So I, you, I think you would I, have I, gone I, outside and then yeah. taught it a whole Because if, if, if it's truly his system, right, then that coaches. Here's the thing about coaching. If you're a great coach and you've been in this game for a long time, a lot of things may seem different, but they're not that much different. What's different is the verbiage more than anything, that it doesn't take coaches of a great deal of time to learn what somebody else is doing. Matter of fact, many of them already know what they're doing because they study each other. So it's not as big of a deal as you may think. So I wouldn't have been worried about hiring somebody with more experience, more accomplished than Nick Sheridan. I, I just think Nick Sheridan... I don't know. That to no, me, I, 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 I mean, I, I just, I, mean, uh, I just said it's Alabama, too. and if Nick Sheridan is the best you can do, and I understand why. This is somebody you know. You needed to hire quickly. You know, you need to have somebody that knows you and understand how you work. So therefore, it's this was the easiest hire. It wasn't the best hire. That makes sense. It was the easiest, but it was not the best. And I think you know. When you look at the, the University of Alabama and who they are and what the A stands for, they're just so much more and so much better that you could have gotten. But anyway, the quarterback is a big question that a lot of people want to know because of behind the scenes, a lot of people really want to figure out, is Jalen Milrow good enough? They're not saying that, but they ask questions to that. Many people, you know, can he learn the system? Can he be, you know, Michael Penix? Junior, can he get the ball out of his hands, which he held the ball a long time? One of the negatives I put towards Jalen Miro. Can this guy be the quarterback that Kalen DeBoer wants in his system? And here's what Kalen DeBoer said yesterday on the Tide about the quarterbacks in his offense. Uh, you know, again, we'll adjust to whatever that quarterback uh, skill set is. Um, certainly a guy that can deliver the ball uh, to the skill uh, around him. Um, I think, you know, there's 11 players in the football field, uh, both sides of the ball, and I think you want to maximize each and every position, uh, you know, and, and that can be done in different ways. Um, and so, you know, what I what I would hope we can be is, a, is that team that, um, you know, can, can deliver the ball to uh, all our skill positions, uh, you know, and also you know, I think uh, you look at the different skill sets that we have, and, and obviously everyone looks at Jalen and sees his ability to, to uh, be mobile, run the football. Um, you know, that's an added weapon. 
but uh, you know that also makes everyone around him better, and uh, his extra eyes are in the backfield, and so uh, you know that there's a lot of different ways that it can go. But I think you know you need a guy that's poised, a guy that um, you know just uh, when the big moments come um, is confident, and his teammates feel that. And so I think there's uh, there's things that you do as a as a quarterback beyond the skill set, um, and just in leading the football team. You know, and uh, that just comes through repetition, confidence, um, great preparation, um, you know, be, being that guy that uh, brings it every single day, every single moment, um, you know, and, and the team just feeding off of them. Head football coach of Alabama, Kalen DeBoer, on his system and Jalen Miro playing the position of quarterback, Christian. So when you look at this and you listen to what he said, I mean, he said a whole lot of different things. Um, but one thing I, I, I like, and I've said this numerous times, and you can attest to this, I believe that smart coaching is saying, I evaluate my talent, and I don't care what my system is or what the foundation of my system is, but I got to develop something that's going to fit the skill set of my players, right? right? I, got to, I got to develop an offense that's, that's going to really support the identity of my quarterback and my wide receivers, now, do I take some of my system? Do I take half? Who knows? You know, how much can Jalen Miro comprehend? How much can he, you know, regurgitate, so to speak? How much can he take of this playbook? But the big thing is, Kalen DeBoer's system, if you watch the offense, is this. It's understanding the defense and understanding where the ball goes, which means one of the reasons that you know, when we look at the Joe Moore Award, when we look at Huff, who, who I'm sure is a really good offensive, excuse me, offensive line coach, but the system helps the offensive line because it's predicated upon getting the football out of the hands of the quarterback, which one of the great jobs that Michael Penix Jr. did last season. He understood where the ball was supposed to go. So I think... Number one, Christian, the question is, when we look at Miro, he mentioned his legs. We know what his strong suit is, what his skill set is. You know, will Kalen Abor say, we got a guy that can just, you know, <laughs> take the top off of it, run in zone reads, RPO game, you know, something what Mike Lossley did here? Is that who Jalen Miro is and that's what we need to do offensively? Because you still can have some predetermined things where the ball goes, even in that system, right? Or do you see him saying, you know, we're going to try to teach him at least the foundational principles of this offense and see what he can do. And if he can't do that, because he does give them the best chance to win better than anybody, any other quarterback in that room, do they just throw it out the window and come up with something that says that supports Jalen Milrow and his skill set. That is the that is the million dollar question, because Jalen Milrow is not Michael Penix Jr. Jalen Milrow is not that that quarterback is going to scan the defense and going to run check with me packages, going to get you in and out of plays, you know, scan the field, and that's not who he is. So to me, when he said, hey, I'm looking at the skill set, we base things based on the skill set of our athletes, then that, that suggests to me that Kalen DeBoer said, I might be an RPO team. I might be a lot of quarterback runs, right? I might be a lot of play action and boots and half rolls and that type of thing because that suits who Jalen Miro is. 
Because if you try to make him Michael Penix Jr., it's going to be a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, well, I, this is what I'll say. I mean, I, if you watch Washington, I do feel like there was uh, a lot of quick passes, a lot of screen game that they involved in that offense. So I think you'll see a lot of that. I do think they'll implement some more zone read uh, type plays, RPOs. You asked, do I think that's who Jalen Milrow is? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think that that system fits him the best, honestly. I mean, that that puts his skill set on full display, and it maximizes his potential. Now, I will say that um, if we're being transparent, Jalen Milrow does struggle uh, with, with seeing the field, kind of going through his reads quick enough. Right, holding the ball too long. That's not me questioning his acumen. I, I know you get mad when people say things like that about Jalen. I'm not being, you know, rude or anything. I'm just just being honest. But I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Can they help develop that area of his game? Because that's what needs the most development. I know people talk about uh, the short intermediate routes. I think that's all just a narrative. I, I get that there are some throws he's a little off on here and there, but I'm just going to tell you, if, if you can throw a deep ball, 40, 50 plus yards, you can throw a short intermediate route. I think the issue with him is he sometimes, and I've seen him do it, so I know he can do it, but I think sometimes he's so strong that sometimes instead of just putting some touch on it and just, you know, dishing it with accuracy, he's just, he's really trying to zip it and it knocks his accuracy off. That to me, that's an easy fix. To me, the, the bigger issue there is that he's got to be able to go through those progressions and reads quicker and he's got to trust it, right? There's been several times that I've seen him. And, and I don't blame him, right? I mean, you feel all that pressure that he was feeling early in the season. You know, Caden Proctor and those guys, you know, even the running backs. Running backs struggled in pass pro early on in the year. They, they didn't give him a lot of time. Sometimes it felt like he was kind of getting spooked and he was just staring at one guy and he was hesitant on running, right? I think if he could get more confident in that area of his game where, you know, he, he goes through his hitches, he drops back, he scans the field, he knows pre-snap, right? He, he develops his, his awareness of, hey, these are my reads. If it's not here, this is where I, I can dump it off to this guy, right? Like, always remember, you know, who's the guy I'm going to dump it off to, right? If I'm facing pressure, if I feel like if against Michigan, when they're, when they're showing all-out blitz, they're cover, when they're showing cover zero blitz, they could pop out of it, and it could be a disguise, but you always prepare for it if it actually is going to happen. Say, where's my hot guy? Pre-snap. I got to know these things. I think the biggest thing is trying to develop that area of his game. If they can do that, yeah, no, I mean, I think everything will be will be fine. But to answer your question, are they going to completely change their system? No, I think what he just means is we'll adapt, meaning if we know we have a guy who is dangerous as a runner with the ball in his hands, you know, utilizing that area of his game, then hell yeah, we're going to call plays towards that, right? You know, like I think what Coach DeBoer even said is they like to, you know, label it as multiple, and it is true. If you watch them, they – they do a lot of different things. I mean, sometimes they are in, in silver. Sometimes they, they – I mean, they, they mix it up. They do a lot of different stuff. And I think what he means is they kind of just lean more towards the things that suits the guy who's playing the quarterback position or that suits the guys around him. If you have an elite slot receiver who's, you know, very versatile and can do things, like jet sweeps, those kind of things, I think you'll see that. That's what I like about Coach DeBoer. I think he, he kind of exemplifies what you talk about uh, of a coach – Adapting and adjusting to his player skill sets to maximize their ability. So, uh, I think everything will be fine with Jalen. I know we talked about could you potentially see uh, a quote-unquote competition. I mean, I, I don't think necessarily you'll see a competition, but I, I definitely believe, as in any case, when they're working with new guys, they want to see all the talent that they have. 
And if there's a guy that's stepping up and that's progressing quickly and that eventually seems like he could be a better option at some point, I'm sure they'll have him in their back pocket. But I definitely believe it's, you know, Jalen Milrow's job to lose. You know, I think they trust and believe in his ability. And until something says otherwise, I think he's the guy. And they'll just adapt to basically his skill set and what he does best, which we saw works really well when you do that. When Tommy Reese, after that bye week, right, they come back. He turned it up. He he finally started. He, he met with Jalen. He sat down with them, said, hey, what do you feel most comfortable doing? I don't know why the hell it took that long for them to do that. It's kind of weird to me. But they should have been done that at the beginning of the season, right, after week one or two when they saw things weren't really clicking like they, they should have been. I know everybody goes through growing pains, but I don't know why the hell he would even say that. Because I was like, well, you waited until after this bye week to sit down with your quarterback and ask him what he's confident running? <laughs> That's that's beyond me. But anyway, yeah. that's my thoughts on that. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think yeah. uh, they'll have a, a good relationship. But we got Nick Sheridan, though. But we got Nick Sheridan. Of course. All right, when he, we come he, back there from the break. There it is. There, I mean, it, I, it's like, it's like it, it, the positivity just makes him <laughs> just his stomach turn. It's like, he, he's, which is crazy because you're Nick a preacher. Nick Sheridan is not you're the, the positive. Pastors are the Caleb kings the of positivity. You preach and, and spread I positivity. Did. But it's like when we I talk spread about it, it makes you sick. You can't I love it. what Kayla and the boys said about giving you know what let's let's do what our talent can do. That's, right. I love that. Exactly. I love that. But you know, Nick Sherrod is not a beacon of light when it comes off as a coordinator. Sorry. Um, when we come back from the break, I do want to talk about something that Marvin Constant said to me last night. He's oh, a coordinator. Uh, he said, honestly, I have zero expectations of this twenty twenty four Alabama Crimson Tide football team. He said he has none. Because when I ask the questions, you know, do you, you build in a buy, I mean, a pass for the season? I can't agree with that because there's a lot that's going on. I mean, his expectations is obviously to win championships. That's every coach, every locker room. But Marvin said he has none. And I'm agreeing with him. I have zero expectations because I think it's going to take a couple of years for Kalen the boy to get this team where it needs to be. When we come back, you'll hear what he said when he was asked about his expectations of this Alabama football team. That's coming up right on the middle of the edge on the time, 100.9, AM, WTBC. We'll be back in a moment. At Birmingham Racecourse Casino, where you can be a winner too. Birmingham Racecourse Casino, off I-459, exit 31, Derby Parkway. Must be 21 or older. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A spring-like afternoon, the sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 69. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 48. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy and mild. The chance of a shower by afternoon, rain more likely tomorrow night, the high at 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. One twenty two on the Dow. Hope you all doing great today. I know people get mad at me if I don't. Is it just bad if you don't disagree with every hire? That's not that bad. I mean, 
No, no, it's, okay. it's, it's not that. It's just like you just. I mean, you, it's like you go out your way to like make it a point of. Because I know all of you. If this was the the Boog Nation, we uh, we if know. Boog Nation would have hired Nick Sheridan as offensive coordinator. You would have ridic not you, but people would have ridiculed this man off the planet. That's facts. I mean, to but be now, fair, they would ridicule any hire, though. You know uh, what I'm saying? True, 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 true. That. But but my point is. I get I mean, what you're saying. I, I get as what you're a saying. fan, I understand you want to just make it. Oh, we want to be positive. But if you're honest, you're sitting there going, like, I don't really know. I mean, because here's what we know about college football and college sports in general. College coaches hire friends. They hire people that they are comfortable with. But it does not always mean that it's the best hire. We've seen college coaches do that to a fault, to where they get fired. Because they won't get rid of said guy, their friend who's coaching with them, and then they get fired. We see it all the time. I'm just looking at the situation. I, I just, I mean, I don't know if uh, no one has asked him, is he going to call the plays? I don't think so. But I would feel better if Kalen DeBoer was calling the plays. It sounded, it sounded like yesterday Coach DeBoer was, was saying, I, I think it was yesterday, whatever I was reading or listening to, that um, he said that he, you just said it, he gives the offense pretty much to the he coordinator the and the coaches and lets them kind of make it their own. So I'm not going to lie, when I heard that, it, it kind of took Shocked me back. You, right? Yeah, I was kind of like, well, we'll have to see. But again, <laughs> but, but no, no, but no, here, but here's the difference between me and you, though, like, I get that that it's not the, the, the prettiest name to hire. I understand. Hank, I don't care about the name. No, 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 it's not I, the and name. I understand the second year with him as a coordinator did, did not go well at all. He was like 2 and he 10 got fired. and he got fired. We know that. I was getting From there. Indiana. Like, it's like you just had, like, okay, but he also, the, the year prior, he was like 6 and 1 before COVID or whatever. So I'm, I look, and, and the second year, there's injuries. All I'm saying is. That was at Indiana, right? He didn't have somebody like Coach DeBoer kind of to, to work with. I, I don't know if Coach Shepard was there. I think there's a much better staff around him right now. And obviously there's much better players. My my take on it is I'm going to see what he can do when he has this group to work with, coaches and players, but specifically players. However, we get a few games in, six games in, just like anybody else, not because it's him. I'm going to say it's, I'm going to be honest and truthful. You're going to hold his feet to the fire. Right, and, and, and I'm not going to bash. I'm just going to say, look, man, just like we did Tommy Reese. Like th This is something I'm, I'm not liking what I'm seeing right here because that's our, our job. Well, they got mad at me because I'm going to – but they get mad. I mean, that's the problem. No, no, I, no, 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 no. Not many people got really mad with the Tommy Reese stuff because they all felt the same. I think what people get frustrated with is it's like we haven't even had anything to really go off of yet. So it just comes off really harsh before people have even had an opportunity to prove themselves. You know what I'm saying? I think if, if we went through, even if it was like spring or fall camp and you've been able to at least kind of get a glimpse or something, maybe, but it's like we have nothing to go off of other than history. What, history. History, history, history said your second year's offensive coordinator, you got, you got Donald but Trump. But You're fired. There's, but there's also, and so my, in, my in whole history, point is history showed that's that Coach Saban failed as a head coach in the NFL, if we're being honest with you. I mean... Yeah, but that's different. No, how that's is that different? Apples. How how is that different? How would no, not? Like no, 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 no. What I'm saying is, you're going off. Of, and I'm not. I'm not saying Coach Saban failed as a head coach in the field, but many people sum it up as that, or they just say he wasn't a good. Whatever they say, I'm not personally saying that. Because what I'm getting at is, if, if, 
I understand that, but to your philosophy, that we go off your philosophy, people would have said, oh, don't hire Coach Saban. He he didn't do well with the Dolphins or whatever, the Browns. But the man did won the championship at LSU before he went to Miami, right? He did, but okay, and that also that proves that, State that, too, that, I think. that pro- proves that you could have success. Yeah. And that I mean, you're going to be a good fit either. So both those points are proving you that, that, that it's not the case. So you're actually you ain't nothing. You ain't nothing you can say that's going to change my mind about Nick Saban. And that's the beauty of it is I could care less and, and, if what your thoughts are. Right, but my point it, is this: like because my thoughts, he has thoughts to don't mean anything. show me. He has to show me that he can call offenses and be a coordinator. At this point, as he has to show my, my thought else, is his he, he has everybody else. I mean, like it's, so. I'm just saying that's why I'm not going to. He praise on somebody that hasn't hasn't proven. But, uh, That's all but I'm no saying. No one's asking you to, to throw praise on it. I think it just it comes off almost just like arrogant. As it's like, oh, well, I'm not. Like, it ain't. You know what I'm saying? Instead of like, what's the arrogant? Say I'm not. I'm arrogant because I'm saying I'm not going to. He proves it, dude. I, I'm just. You know what we should do one day, and I think this would be very interesting. What should we do? Let, we, we should spend a show. I'm sure our listeners would probably turn it off, but it's okay. I don't just want to do it to, to get to get my point across. And where we address all the things we're talking about here about Alabama, we talk about it with with South Carolina, their personnel, their coaches, and I want to hear your tune when you talk about that. Because I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious how that would go. I'll tell you how it goes. How would that go? They're looking at five, five and seven, six and six. They're looking at a team that got twenty transfer portal guys, right? There's a new quarterback, an offensive line that was hurt, but I think it's going to be better. Um, defensively, they played better, but the schedule is brutal. And you're talking about a team that I'm thinking if they make a bowl game, it's a it's a great year. So. I don't know what you what you expect. Cause anybody, I keep receipts. Anybody that knows me in broadcasting career, when I've done games, color analysts, to, I call it like I see it. I don't shoot. I don't care if it's South Carolina. I don't give a crap who it is. Ball is freaking ball. And, and right now, it, it is what it is. South Carolina hasn't been no pill of strength in football. They've been an average football team. That's what it's been. Right. right? That's They've had some good years. Steve Spurrier. Shane had a couple of good years, and last year was bad. They had a ton of, I mean, they had eight different offensive line lineups last year. They lost all their offensive line. Right? Spencer Rattler was magnificent. Right. But they had one receiver, Juice Wells, an all SEC performer, got hurt, didn't play, played against Georgia, scored a touchdown, didn't play anymore. Now that old miss. I mean, so, but if you ask me, I mean, they aren't. They are making a bowl game is going to be extremely difficult. Right. No. I mean, uh, I mean, that's, so that's good, so, that's good so you can't that anybody want to throw that one at me? You can ask. I've been in this thing for a long time. I don't. I call it like I said. I don't give a daggum who it is. Sports is sports. Ball is freaking ball. I'm not the typical Bow Sunshine fan. I'm a former player. I'm a purist. I love football. I call it like I said. It ain't about just trying to find something positive. I try to give you what I really think. If you want somebody to well, see him pump sunshine and positive. I'd, I'd hate to have your this, thoughts because if you're just giving us what you think, I mean, Lord, I feel bad for yeah. you. You got a negative-ass mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's sad. Well, what I think? I'm saying, I mean, do you think anything positive? You just mope around all day about everything that's going wrong in your life? A lot goes wrong. 
But I'm saying, like, yeah. it's like you, you're allergic to, to say anything. But it's not. That's the problem. You you call it, like, searching for positivity. It's not searching for positivity. It's sports talk radio, bro. It ain't life. It, uh, well. <laughs> we got a break. What's wrong with you? <laughs> now, you need to go. You need to go get some. Now, let me just tell you something, bro. This is not. This is freaking football, basketball. It's sports. Right? And that you can find what you want. If I need to go find somebody that tell me, hey, every day is sunny, 85 and 70, great. But if you want somebody to just be real, like my, my man Bill Parsons to tell me, you want the truth, Dan Reeves to tell me, do you want me to tell you something to make you feel good or you want me to tell you the freaking truth about your play? Tell me the truth. If I suck, tell me I suck but, because that but, helps me get better. But how is it don't true? How is I don't it need to hear well. Well, maybe right tomorrow can be it's better. I know tomorrow right can be better. Now. If if I'm if if I suck, if it's not the best, tell me it's not the best because I go get it. I'll make it the best. That's my frame of thinking. And you know what? In 55 years, praise the Lord, I wouldn't change it because if we want to we want to compare receipts. I've done okay with my freaking life, being the way I am, and I ain't going to change it. We'll be back in a moment. In the next generation of legends, we are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. WTBC. I was teasing before um, I got put on blast again about my interview um, <laughs> about Marvin Constance, who played at Alabama, uh, all SEC performer. He said he had zero expectations. Well, yesterday, Caitlin DeBoer talked about that when he was asked about his expectations for the 2024 Alabama football season. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, you know, I get asked this question, um, you know, at Washington. I got to ask this question at, at Fresno State. I mean, you know, wherever you've been, I mean, when you've been a coordinator um, and even uh, going way back at Sioux Falls, and I think it's just, um, you know, you, you you have that expectation of winning and then that's winning championships. And that's, uh, you know, what this program and the expectation is here. Um, but I think when it really comes down to it, you know, I'm never putting a number on wins, things like that. What well, we're focused on, um, and you know, this isn't the, the 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 thing that really sounds all pretty and all, all that, but it's all about getting better tomorrow. You know, and then uh, us reaching and being our best, uh, and that that's what I think we have done uh, wherever I've been. And in the end, uh, you know. We don't even realize we just spoke with the team today at the end of our workout, you know, a, a week from now, two weeks from now, a month from now, the end of spring ball, you know, we're not even going to rec- recognize who we are because we're going to come, have come so far because we stack one day on top of the other and it's always moving forward. So um, the results are a matter of us being our best and uh, just con- continuously improving each and every day. Totally like what he said. Totally like what he says, stacking one day on top of the next. Uh, don't really put a win number. I mean, I think that's crazy. Uh, anyway, I mean, no coach is going to ever say, hey, we can probably win the, these amount of games. But I think when you look at the task at hand and what's ahead of Alabama 
and Kalen DeBoer is one, he got his staff finally intact. Two, you got less than two weeks to, to hit the field, right? And then you start building on, as he said, that's what they've done everywhere he's been, is you start building on what you have. You got different players, you got different skill sets, you got different talents, and now you start to build off of what you have. And I, I love what he said there. I mean, you know, of course, every coach, and Christian, you, you know this is good as anybody, every coach, every player in that locker room is thinking championship. They're not thinking anything else but championship. I mean, no coach is ever going to have your mind believe something different about a number of wins. What they're going to say is, I'm sure y'all had them, and y'all always talked about every goal is attainable and reachable. Those goals are championships, and Kalen DeBoer's not coming in here thinking, you know, what we sit here and say off, no matter what we say, no matter what I say. It, it, what matters is what, what they get done and how they prepare and how they build. They're not thinking they're going to be 8-4, and 10-2, and 11-1. They're thinking they're going to be SEC champions. They're thinking they're going to be national champions, and that's how they are going to prepare. So when you look at that whole mindset and you look at his body at work, at least at Washington, uh, which I put the most stock in, um, I think that what he's saying is 100% right. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you, you got to have that philosophy, right? And, and, and yeah, I mean, he already said it. I mean, any, anywhere he goes, I mean, the, the goal and the mindset is always to win championships. So um, no different with him coming here. And obviously the standard here is going to be higher than ever for him. Um, but I think he's prepared for that. And if, if they aren't, they're going to find out quick because it's fan base, man. Hey, they're they're going to let you know quick, man. And, and they're, they're going to hold him to that same standard that we've seen around here. So... I'm excited for it. I, I, I like that answer. As like you said, I mean, I think that's kind of what you have to say. You can't really put any totals on it. But to Marvin's point, when he says no expectations, I think what he's saying is it's kind of going along what you were saying about the past thing. It's just with so many moving pieces, because I think he also mentioned that, right? He was saying, you know, so many new players, new coaches, right? A whole new culture that's being built. Um, it, it's almost not – I wouldn't say it's not fair to put these high expectations on them, but – I think you just have to be realistic that they're going to go through growing pains. It's going to take time for these coaches to mesh, right? The defensive side of the ball, I mean, a lot of those guys haven't worked with each other. It's going to take time for them to kind of figure out working with each other, right? I mean, these coaches, they've never done this fourth quarter program. They're they're in there coaching it right now and learning that. Like, there's a lot of things that they're going through. Um, but with that being said, I mean, I, I still believe, I mean, I think as a fan, uh, a good mindset to have is obviously have high expectations. Why wouldn't you? I mean, we still have a lot of talent. It's still the University of Alabama. You got a, a head coach that showed uh, that he's capable at, at uh, his past stops, right? So you want to have high expectations, but you also have to be uh, realistic knowing that you know, there probably will be some growing pains. Does that mean they can't win it all? No. I mean, shoot, anything's possible. Uh, but I think, to be fair, um, I think, I don't know if you saw this, I think Paul Feinbaum, and I want to make sure I, I, I understood this right, but he was basically making it seem like, I don't know, if, maybe I read this wrong. It sounded like he was saying anything other than undefeated would would not be accepted or something. And, and maybe I I read that wrong, but I was just like, come on, man. Like, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Like, like with our schedule, oh, what he said was, uh, oh, wait, never mind. I guess it's from Matt Hayes, CFB, but it was on the Paul Feinbaum show. Let me make sure I get it right, because I was just scrolling Twitter when I saw this. But some, somebody said on the Paul Feinbaum show, at least, 
Ten and two would be an absolute tragedy for Alabama next year. Eleven and one might be a tragedy. It's not fair, but that's how it is. Now, I think he's just saying that's a testament to the standard here set at Alabama, like the standard of excellence, standard of winning championships. Like we all know, just like hell, we won the SEC championship last year uh, with football. And how many times have we talked about that? How many times have we heard people kind of posting about that or celebrating that? I'll be honest with you. Kind of people forget. act like they don't care about it. Yeah, people act like they don't really care about it, which has been like that. That's kind of been the standard. You know, people just kind of focus on us falling short of Michigan, which is crazy, but that's how high the standard is. I think that's what was being said here. Um, but still, though, that I mean, looking at this schedule, and I keep reminding people, I mean, even even with Coach Saban still here, people would have had people. Was no, nobody would have had this team going eleven and zero, even with Coach Saban here. I mean, again, I keep referring to last year. Last year, you remember, we weren't even being picked at SEC media days. And I don't think the schedule last year was as hard as the schedule this year because we're on the road this time. Last year, we had those matchups at home. Now we're on the road. And you're talking about, you know, the whole It's a tough schedule. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, at Wisconsin, at Oklahoma, at LSU, at Tennessee, you get Missouri, who people have a nothing but praise for. They got majority of their people coming back. I mean, uh, out of the East, you get them at home. You get South Carolina at home. Uh, you get Auburn at home. Am um, I missing one? I'm thinking the bigger Georgia. Georgia. Yep. You get Georgia at home. So, I mean, listen, that's what I'm saying. This, these teams are not going to be easy, right? These no. are these. I mean, Alabama don't have that roster that we look at and be like, they just juggernaut. They're just a juggernaut better than these other teams. They don't have that. I mean, at this point. So that's what I'm saying. That, you know, 9-3, and 10-2, that to me would be a phenomenal year, first-year coach following Nick Saban. I mean, how many times have we had a Nick Saban? 17 years he's been there, guys. 17 years. I mean, you just don't – I don't care what the record has been in other places. I don't. That's why I said emphatically, this is Nick, Nick freaking Saban. <laughs> this is not – this is a GOAT. These things – you just don't step in and do what this man has done. I mean, he's the greatest to ever do it. You just don't. Yeah, I think to me, when people just think somebody else walk right in those shoes and things don't change, is a disrespect to Nick Saban. That's how I feel. Mm. Because what that man has accomplished is nothing short of phenomenal. I mean, the first year other than that, I mean, what are you, 10 plus wins a year? 16 years? That's I mean, crazy, man. I mean, I mean come I mean, on, man. I mean, I mean, I played in four straight national championship games with him. You played in four straight. I'm just saying. To think the man get don't don't take away and think some dude. I don't care what he had NAI. I don't care. No, again, about the again, that starts trying to sound like a backhanded compliment. Like, we, no, we get no it. We I'm get just it. saying that don't you don't go in and take the place of a goat. And to me, when you do that and say that somebody can come in and mimic everything that he's done, then you take away from who that guy is. That's all I'm saying. When we come back, the Tide on the hardwood tonight. First place in the SEC, the Florida Gators have been hot, winning eight of nine. And then I think Tennessee is lurking. So big week for Alabama and the Crimson Tide, Nate Oates. So maybe we'll talk a little basketball as we close out the show right here on the Tide 100.9-1230. AM WTBC, back in a moment. Weekday mornings at 6 a.m. The Martin Houston Show. 
Join us for a Thursday edition of the Martin Houston Show, powered by Max Sports. We'll have some roster management and recruiting news. We'll have a breakdown of Ryan Fowler of the game's interview with Coach DeBoer. We'll also have some audio from 1984, the legendary coach Eddie Robinson of Grambling State predicted the current state of college football and the demise of the NCAA. You'll want to hear that audio on tomorrow on Tide 100.9, 1230 AM WTBC. Back guarantee. Text support to 511-511. Morning kick. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Text fees may apply. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A spring-like afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 69. Tonight, mostly fair with the low at 48. Tomorrow, increasingly cloudy and mild. The chance of a shower by afternoon. Rain more likely tomorrow night, the high at 71. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is Miller's Edge on Tide 100.9. Throw your hands in the air. Wiggle just like you don't care. <laughs> Sorry, Wyatt, I, I can't rap. I'm, I'm a country and western guy. Gospel, number one, then country and western, number two. Look, you're still a better rapper than I am. I don't know, man, because, you know, between you and Noah, man, hitting with all this music, bro, I'd be like, what is that? Um, but it sounds extremely, extremely good. Appreciate why I'm a man. He's a Haymon. You got to Google Haymon. I think you would like Haymon. And uh, just listen to Fowler and all the stuff y'all been doing, articles and how you was working, and then you producing, and you be on the air. I mean, you're your on air talent, you off air talent. You, I mean, bro, he does it all. On a on on some on a sad note, uh, Eli Gold um, has announced. Well, I don't know he has announced, but the Tuscaloosa News is reporting that Eli Gold will not be returning uh, this fall to be the voice of Alabama football and in the 35-year run. Um, hate to hear that. Obviously, I work alongside Eli calling the games with the Crimson Tide Sports Network um, as on the sideline reporter. But um, definitely, man, just wanted to say I'm just so grateful to have worked with him and, and learned from him. You know, he's he's obviously one of the best in the business. He's been doing it for such a long time. And, and, and then his story, you know, obviously my mother had cancer and see somebody like him you know work his tail off going through those treatments which I, I witnessed firsthand how you know difficult that is and then the rehab just to kind of get mobile enough to, to feel you know comfortable moving around getting back in and then calling the game um, I admire him so much and I respect him so much and um, I'm not sure if he'll you know, still call some other stuff here and there or if he'll plan on just retiring I think he's about 70 now but just want to pay my respects to Eli because again I mean he's you know, I, I mean, the voice of Alabama football has been that for so long, but I'm um, definitely just grateful for my opportunity to work with them and learn from them. But I know that Chris Stewart, who I'm assuming is filling that role, um, is obviously phenomenal, you know, and is uh, just so great at what he does, calling games as well. And I'm um, excited to, uh, you know, see kind of how everything starts to take shape. But just wanted to pay my respects to Eli real quick as that news was just released. Now, I think, you know, there's some rumblings about it behind the scene, but they officially kind of announced, at least the Tuscaloosa News did, so I felt comfortable sharing that on there. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, wow. What a career. I mean, you know, when you think about college sports, you think about a lot of times the play-by-play guys and the calls. I mean, I don't know if, you know, why I could pull up a couple from Eli. I'd like to just hear one or two of them right now because the dudes, his calls, even before you went there, you know, listening to a lot of SEC games and covering the SEC, uh, just just amazing. That's that whole touchdown Alabama. You know what I mean? Just that good. unique... You know, <laughs> that unique voice. I mean, I, I think he's from New York originally, right? He is, yeah. He's a northerner. Yeah, and so his voice was just just, um, just amazing. And then, you know, having a chance to go over with you before the season last year and watch y'all do the, the call, you know, practice a couple of times and, and just uh, knowing what he was battling through. I mean, you knew that he wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you knew that he was uh, just wanted to get back in that booth, and that was... That was his goal, and he did that. And you can see just the hate coach with him and Coach Saban. Um, you know, his voice obviously was not as strong as it used to be, but but he powered through at least the home games. And, and um, uh, you know, much love and respect for him. And, uh, again, man, what a year for Alabama. I mean, we, we and I do, joke and cut up about these coaches and things and uh, have fun with that. But when you're talking about two pillars, of Alabama's football, of Alabama sports legends. You think, think about the GOAT, Nick Saban, and now Eli Gold. You know, the same mm. year that both those guys have uh, are saying bye to Alabama sports. I mean, so you think about that loss. I mean, it's almost, obviously, still living, but, man, it just feels a, a, a sense of loss, you know what I mean, uh, when you lose those types of dudes. So, again, um, I know Chris Stewart, who we've had on the show, and, friend. I mean, would do a phenomenal job. He does a phenomenal job, but man, Eli Gold is, is when you're talking about play-by-play, I go back to South Carolina, to, to you know, Fulton, uh, whose voice was amazing, and then Georgia games, and I mean, so you have those iconic calls, and I know uh, Eli Gold will have many, numerous, all the championships on the Nick Saban, all the big-time moments of Alabama football. Uh, we will be forever listening to uh, some of those iconic calls from one Eli Gold. So job well done, Eli. God bless you, man. And pray that God continue to just uh, really strengthen you and restore your health. But, but man, what an amazing run as a play-by-play guy for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. There's been no no one better no than doubt. Eli Gold. And a little fun fact, his wife, Claudette, Miss Claudette, man, she's so sweet. She actually loves our show. She's told me that numerous times and I see her. She, she tunes in frequently. So um, if she's listening... Or okay, I'd be nicer. Nicer what to Alabama? I was about to say you're you're very nice, to Eli. I mean, no problem there, but I love Eli. I love no, 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 Al- I mean, no, I love no, people no, no, Alabama. No, no, I don't think no, people I, tripping no. think I don't. No, 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 no. I meant just now. You said I'll be nicer. I was saying you very kind, to Eli. Just then, I mean, she did. Maybe she is upset when you're so critical. So, yeah. So think about Miss Claudette next time that you uh you're so. Nice. All right, all right, all right. Think of the think of the Lord, Lord. <laughs> but real quick, gotta remind you guys about our friends over at Alumni Hall for all the latest and greatest officially licensed Alabama gear. You guys know the drill. You got the big basketball game tonight. Alabama taking on. Let's go Florida. time. Let's go time. That's right. At 6 p.m. Central. Make sure you go get your gear from Alumni Hall right now in Midtown Village. Go get you a hat, t-shirt, jersey, you name it. They got it all right there. 
check them out right now. Or if you're not local, no worries. You can always go to alumnihall.com and get the latest and greatest gear right there at alumnihall.com where the ultimate Crimson Tide fans shop. Oh, man, I'm tired. I've got to get up out of here. Been you, you a got, fun you show. You got me lightheaded. I'm ar- arguing with you so much today, man. Man, go home, eat some granola and some peanut butter. You'll be straight. Uh, Why? Man. thank you, my friend. Ryan Fowler coming up next here in the Wyatt's game. Wyatt's already got an article up for Eli Gold, so go check out his article right now on uh, the title. Really? Oh, how do you do that, doing the game? And, that, huh? That's Wyatt for you, yeah, man. Yeah. He's got it. Wyatt Fulton has published an article right now, so make sure you guys go check it out right now at Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. Gold. So check that out. Dang. You good, Wyatt. God bless everybody. Have a great rest of your day.